Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome again to another episode of Box Office Bootleg. I'm your co-host, Robert. Yo, what's up? This is your co-host, Reggie. Fantastic. We're chugging along with this uh, interesting summer box office. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything is still wildly dominated by Disney. Uh, But surprise, surprise, Disney does not actually have a fucking movie for the month of August. For this special August box office preview. We're not going to bring up the House of Mouse. I'm sure we're in a a, a semi-official. No, No, Rich, no. 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 Okay, you got got 30 seconds to mention a Disney-related thing. Ready or not, Fox Searchlight. Fuck! That's right. Ah! Every the mouse! Time, every time it does mouse, it pulls us back in. It pulls us back in. All yeah. right. Well, he says a bitches. We'll mention it super briefly. But yes, uh, welcome to our Austin box office preview. Um, it's a meaty one, but, uh, but by the end of it, we're going to have to kind of go through a lot of these just because we're kind of um, in the part of the summer that is kind of called the dog days of summer. Right, because pretty much half through halfway through the month, you have to account that a lot of kids and a lot of families. I mean, school starts. You know, a lot of college kids are starting their school year. A lot of um, grade school kids are starting. So there's just really not that many people that are going to be able to see them during the weekdays. Where for any movie that comes out during the summer, your bread and butter is always going to be your weekday numbers. You know, that's where you get like the you know the extra like. 40, 50, 60% on top than if you just mm. tried to release in like September or something. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get right into the thick of it. Um, coming up Friday 2nd, only one release, but probably the biggest movie of the month in question is, of course, Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Yes, the, title. The, the Fast and Furious Presents is included with it. <laughs> Such such an interesting one. It's like a Jim Henson Presents production, except in this case, it's Fast and Furious. Not, they, I, I they, wish they, they, they should have done it the whole way. It should have been The Fast and the Furious Presents, but it's all these goofy titles that are so, so common. I mean, I mean, like when your fourth movie, they drop the after. And it's like, well, which version are you talking about? Absolutely. Are you, are you talking about the one where, like, uh, the one where uh, Michelle Rodriguez dies, but then comes back at the fifth one. Or are you talking about the one where where you first meet the Paul Walker and Vin Diesel? I mean, yeah. I mean, just to, just to show some historical perception, because the Fast and Furious franchise has to be one of the most perplexing trajectories of a franchise <laughs> that I've ever seen. Where okay, so the first one, such a crazy long time ago it seems like now right yeah. where um the uh the fast and the furious uh june 22nd 2001 so like pre 9-11 yeah. franchise i remember like it, it was one of those movies of the summers except some of 2001 didn't really have that many fucking movies to begin with like it was a pretty thin year like i you know barely remember like i like I recently, I think I watched the first one recently, and and, um, and like a lot of people describe it as as uh, a point like remake of Point Break, but with street racing instead of extremes right. uh, no, instead of surfing. Right, right. You know, just like such humble beginnings, it was able yeah. to do um, 
really well for the time, uh, really well. Um, then, of course, two years later, you got Too Fast, Too Furious, one of the greatest yeah. uh, sequel titles of all time. <laughs> um, every time there's like a parody <laughs> sequel title, it's always going to be like, um, like two Sonic, two Knuckles or something. Like if the Sonic movie gets one, you're going to see those memes mm-hmm. pop up. And of course, that one didn't do as well. Um, really? It still made a lot of money. It opened big but dropped hard, which is going to be a common thing that happens yeah. with this franchise. Then you got the spinoff with the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift where none of the cast were there. It was, it was, it still, was, just, it was still kind of a while... They still consider canon, even though they wanted to go. In. It felt like the movie wanted to go into a different direction, but after the recent sequels, they sort of like retconned it as canon. Right, right. So, so, and then somehow, some way, just three years later, we get Fast and Furious. Vin Diesel and Paul Walker are able to come back. Mm-hmm. It's actually able to be again huge opening, terrible legs. It opened to seventy point nine. Mm-hmm. And made 155. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where Fast and Furious was the one that was able to finally get some good international numbers. Because the other ones, like, as he said, it, it was more in the spirit of, like, Point Break, you know, that American, you know, cool, grungy, kind of, like, young hip cop kind of thrillers. Not, I mean... But not really an international appeal. Yeah. You know, or the international market really had a blown I, up. But... But then Fast and Furious was able to take advantage, and then Fast Five was where we start going into the stratosphere, where yeah, we get The Rock, and then and then everything changes. Well, and I think what also helped is they sh- they started shooting it internationally. Like uh-huh. They started featuring because that one was where they dragged like a vault throughout the street of uh, Rio de Janeiro. Well, because yeah, yeah, but that was. The- yeah. Well, the only saving grace for Tokyo Drift is that Tokyo Drift did actually make its money back overseas. So they yeah. kind of saw, okay, there's an international appeal with this franchise. And then, of course, Fast and, uh, Fast and Furious showed what was up. Mm-hmm. And then Fast Five, putting in The Rock, you know, sent it even <laughs> further up. Um, and then, of course, we ended up Fast and Furious 6, which, of course, kicked it up even more because I believe that was like... I can't get the answer to that on Apple. Serious, shut up. Um, where it, it was the first one that was able to be super international. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, uh, Furious 7 came out. And Furious yeah. 7, I mean, holy shit, the amount of money that it yeah. made. $1.5 billion. Billion. One point one six billion dollars overseas. In fact, yeah. let me just double check this. I believe overseas gross, it actually has. Let's see. Yeah, overseas gross. It is the fifth highest grossing movie overseas <laughs> of all time. Of all time, like it still did incredibly well domestically, three hundred and fifty-three million, which is still great, but. That overseas gross, yo. To put in perspective, that's more than what Force Awakens and Jurassic World made overseas. That's almost, it's only about 200 million behind Mm. what Infinity War made in its overseas gross. So, and that, 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 that is absolutely bananas. And I think, and again, that, that was the one where Paul Walker, like, like, passed away. I mean, like, that kind of, 
Like the whole Paul Walker tribute, uh, like kind of like was a huge factor. Yeah. I mean, that had the Heath Ledger almost kind of factor. With yeah, it, where it's like even people that hadn't seen the Fast and Furious movies in a while yeah. still probably went out to see it. Now, the Fate of the Furious, uh, Fate of the Furious had a little bit of a drop, uh, about a third of a drop off domestically. Mm-hmm. It still made about two hundred and twenty six million domestically, but that's still like a hundred and thirty million dollars less. Than you know, yeah. Furious Seven made domestically. Now overseas, though, it still made a billion dollars. However, it had the most intense, uh, it had the most lopsided ratio of any of the Fast and Furious movies, mm-hmm. where eighty-one percent of the money that it made was overseas. Yeah, I mean, it's Universal's most successful overseas franchise, basically ever. Like, they, other yeah. than of course the Illumination stuff, but. Any of their live-action franchise, this is the film that makes the money overseas. Now, that brings us to the spin-offs, because if this one does good, holy shit, are all the... Well, we're going to see spin-offs, 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 till. See, I would only, I would only think that they're, gonna, they're only going to focus on The Rock and uh, the Rock and Jason Statham, because... Well, they're using it to launch one, because they kind of, like, realize, since they're including every single action hero that they possibly can yeah. into the series, it's like, wait a minute. We have Jason Statham and The Rock in this franchise. Holy shit, we need to make a spinoff with the two of them. And it, it just like... Well, I mean, the, like, they were, like, the highlight of the last movie. Well, yeah, I yeah. Mean, I mean, like, the, like, the bit, like, the bit when they were in prison and they're trying to, like, outflex each other. So the guy that's actually directing this one is uh, David Lynch. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the guy who directed the first John Wick... He did Atomic Blonde, but then, of course, he moved on to the bigger production stuff with uh, mm-hmm. Deadpool 2. So yeah. you're, you're bringing on a guy um, that has, like, expertise with action genres. Mm-hmm. Uh, he messed around with Deadpool 2, so there'll certainly be, like, a more comedic element. I didn't care for Deadpool 2, but you know what? A lot of people did, so yeah. clearly he's messing with... Um, the kind of like perfect material and the trailers have absolutely just completely fed into, you know, the fact that it's like it's it, it seems like a romp. You know, the fact it's, that you have Idris so Alba is so self-aware. Yeah, you have Idris Alba as a superhuman. So now we have superhuman super soldiers in the Fast and Furious universe where all the ridiculous shit that has already been in this. Now we're dealing with fucking super soldiers where he explicitly says in the trailer on the block Superman, like explicitly. It's like, okay, this is a rump. You have them throwing down in Hawaii with, like, his, like, you know, uh, yeah. Samoan brothers. Yeah. And just fucking him using, like, a chain to, like, hold back a hell. It, it seems like... It seems like a rump, and it seems like... If you made a Fast and Furious movie where you took out, like... Where they still had to kind of make it serious? Or, like, you had enough people that would still take it deadly serious in a charming way but like look at Vin Diesel like Vin Diesel in the Fast and Furious movies is absolutely taking the role seriously so yeah. even with this like you know this is where it's like this is about family we gotta do it for the it family was, it's about family you gotta, you gotta, you gotta no you gotta you, you gotta, gotta you gotta add more gravel to that this is about family motherfucking Vin yeah. Diesel has only had to say three words for the past two and a half years of film Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and 
the two Avengers movies, and he was also technically in Ralph Breaks the Internet, so you're talking about two mm-hmm. different cases where it's him just playing group. That's all he had to do, and he's making so much bank off of that, and of course the Fast and Furious movies. So, But, but that's what I mean. It's like, there's enough guys where there's almost like a charm to them not being in on the joke with Fast and Furious, which I think helps out some of the, like, I think it helps out, like, what the film is able to do for its audience. Like what, what, like, what I loved about Fate of the Furious is, is like, how extreme it got. Because, like, again, like, the highlight They confirmed again this week. They confirmed again this week. If we go to space by the 10th one, and what they're doing, they're actually no, filming... No, we need to put the dinosaurs in there. Jurassic Park... Jurassic World mixed with Fast and Furious. Reg, maybe. Uh, no, first, they, they gotta put them in. No. Well, just so people they know... Universe going. Just so people know, we're getting a Fast and Furious 9 and 10 shot back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fast and Furious 9, or whatever it ends up being called, Fast right. 9, whatever the fuck, is coming out Memorial Day weekend next year, and then... For the 20th anniversary, coming out 2021, who the fuck would have thought we would have ended up with the spinoff with The Rock and Jason Statham and 10 fucking Fast and Furious movies? So, I don't know. It seems like a hoot to me. Like, I haven't watched too many of the Fast and Furious movies, but this seems like what in my head, I think what people experience with the Fast and Furious movies, this movie, Hobbs and Shaw, seems like it. I am fucking there... The first fucking weekend, I'm there fucking Saturday. So, I mean, Reg, what do you think it's gonna make? Because weirdly, I'm, I'm looking at seventy million for the weekend. You know what's weird is that I do believe it is actually the most expensive uh, Fast and Furious related one so far. It has a pretty fucking heavy budget. Uh, how much we're we talking about? It's a two hundred million dollar one. Oh wait, no, never mind. Fate and the Furious. Holy shit. Like, Fate and the Furious, Fate and the Furious had a, was expensive. I mean, like two hundred and fifty. I mean, like, okay, never mind. Look, never mind. Look, look how many, like, look how many actors they had in that movie. I know, I know, but and it, then the and then like the visual effects budget is. I mean, like you had to like you had to do those self driving cars, and then on top of that, you had to like CG the Rock pushing a a uh, missile into a submarine. Yeah. It's so nuts. The humble beginning. The humble beginnings. Like the first Fast and Furious movie had a thirty eight million dollar budget. Pretty reasonable. Too yeah. Fast, Too Furious, uh, rest in peace, John Singleton, mm-hmm. had a $76 million one, so double the budget, but still kind of like that mid-range kind of one. Then we got yeah. Tokyo Drift. Um, I believe estimates were like $40, 50000000 million because you didn't have to pay any celebrities for it. But hey, humble beginnings for Justin well, you, Lin. you got Bow Wow in that movie. That and was, you, that and was, and that was got, on the record. But, and you got motherfucking Bow Wow. In that movie. <laughs> that was the only story in that movie. Man, I, I think Bow Wow is like one of those guys where like you can actually get him into the club or do a celebrity appearance for like super dirt cheap. They did. I mean, well, they sort of did with the. Uh, oh, like no, they, no, 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 they no. Probably just no, 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 no. They, they brought in what's his name? The What's his name for the third movie to give something to Vin Diesel? Uh, like Lucas, I think it was either Lucas Black well, Lucas, or Lucas Hatz. Yeah, Lucas Black is the dude that was in Tokyo yeah. Drift. And then we see the window go down and it's like Vin Diesel yeah. and all that shit. So, yeah. Um, Fast and Furious, $85 million budget. We're, we're, we're starting to get a little, little up. And then, of course, Fast Five, Bring It on the Rock, 
we're at 125 million. So mm-hmm. we're getting on the little inflated side, you know. Then we get Fast and Furious 6, um, $160 million budget. This is keep going up and up and up. Again, the trajectory of this franchise is absolutely insane. Then Furious 7, $190 million budget. <laughs> and then, of course, with the fucking fate of the Furious, $250 million budget. So a spinoff, a spinoff of this franchise is a $200 million production. Mm-hmm. I think this is like the most expensive movies that either Jason Statham or The Rock have actually been a part of. Um, Which you is... Might, you might... I mean, like, one is pretty expensive. Like, like a lot of those Disney films are pretty expensive. Well, no, what I'm saying for, like, The Rock specifically, like, just looking... Like, something like Jumanji, which is technically his most successful film... Jumanji had about a $110 million budget, which was actually on the pretty tight budgeted end. Yeah. But, and then, of course, the Rampage and Skyscraper movies, those were like 120, 130 yeah. mil. But yeah, he, other than the Fur- Fast and Furious movies, mo- this is the most expensive movies he's ever actually been like the lead actor yeah. for. Same with Jason Statham. So. The, this this is pretty big scale for the both of them, you know. So yeah, but, but I mean, like, no, but I do feel that uh, much call it. Uh, uh, I mean, like, the only reason why they will spend that money on the Rock is he is kind of like a movie star. I know, like, there's been so many articles how they're saying that Leonardo DiCaprio is sort of the last movie star, but I mean, like. Like in this current generation of actors, like The Rock, the, I mean, like throwing The Rock in, the Rock still, is still, a, still, still, will I get would you say, numbers. I would say The Rock functions as like the classic action star one. Yeah, and the the irony is that you know he he the The Rock never like they kept trying to push The Rock to be somebody like that, but then he was in a bunch of movies that did not do well. But then the moment that he was in like comedies. And ensembles like with Fast Five, Fast Five put him right back on the path, yeah. and then but, but bouncing off that, of that. But again, before that, he was in the, the journey of uh, Journey of uh, Center Earth Two. Right, right. Well, I, I think I think Journey Two came out after Fast Five, so Journey Two was able to come off mm. of the goodwill of Fast Five. Let me mm. just double check that statement. Uh, like, uh, yep, yep. Actually, yeah, yeah. Um, Journey Two was the first movie, big movie that he did after Fast Five, so he was building off of that. Huh. Crazy, crazy. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna go with ninety, ninety-two mil. Now, I'm curious about the legs because the Fast and Furious movies notoriously have really uh, front-loaded opening yeah. weekends. Like, I'll open big, and then I'll just like. Boop, Plummet, kind of like Harry Potter movies. Like yeah. this, this is basically Harry Potter. This is the Harry. This is like the Harry Potter films for people that like get mad in opening weekend. Yeah, like it's the same demographic. <laughs> but um, I think I'll get right to two hundred, just because like I think I'll take advantage of a uh, of a month where I think it's going to be the really dominant guy. So I'm going $92 million opening, $200 million gross, and probably like fucking $600 million overseas. It's going to do so big overseas. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, 
again, it depends. It depends on where they shoot uh, shooting it because they're shooting in London and shot it, shot in Hawaii, uh, uh, Hawaii, and I don't know if they had like another location, but usually those tend to help help the international markets when you feature like the like you know other uh, other countries. Oh, for sure, for sure. All right, but, so uh, yeah, I would like I would kind of agree with you with the numbers, but mm-hmm. like seventy, I'm I'm thinking like seventy million, like with the modest. Sticking with that, okay. Yeah, and then it, and then it'll stick because it will stick around. It will probably get to like that two hundred. You think it'll end up with like good weekend? You will think it'll end up with like good weekend legs, or what you feeling? Um, I would say good weekend legs okay. because like like again like its only competitor is like Dora the Explorer, um, Tales in the Dark, mm-hmm. which I don't think like as much as like people love Guillermo del Toro, it's uh, you know. Well, it'll, it'll, the, it'll probably perform like Crawl, where well, it's like an already like already horror film. And actually, I, I got some news for you, and that's going to lead us to the next weekend, which actually sees five white releases. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So everybody's just—I don't understand how the fuck July had six, and now we're having to do like the fucking May thing again. So here we go. Uh, we got five different movies to talk about. We uh, got the Art of Racing in the Rain. Which is another talking dog movie. It's I can't garbage. Even, I, I can't even keep them straight anymore. Most likely, um, most likely it's going to perform at like ten, like like ten, twelve. I'm gonna fucking say like eight because I'm pretty sure yeah. everybody's gonna have like the same impression when they see it. Where it's like, it's another fucking dog movie. What the fuck? Yeah, another one. Another one. I guess it's the it's, it's the, the it's the grandma movie. It's, it's like the Marvel Cinema. Okay, so so I'm gonna take my grandkids to this movie, like to this movie, because I don't want to see a Spanish speaking girl. It's like, yeah, it's like his grandma. It's like, why? Why does the monkey talk? Why does the monkey talk? Why does the weasel talk? (laughs) No, it's like grandma. We watched this when I was like a preschooler, and it's like, what? We didn't watch that. Yes, we did. God damn it. It, she was the she was the weird girl that like stared right at uh, stared like right at you. Oh lord, I remember that girl. She gave me the heebie-jeebies. No, we're not seeing that damn movie. <laughs> so so yeah, it's a it's a middle America option, but I don't think, I don't think it's gonna. I mean, like like if you see the dog's purpose or dog's journey, okay. wherever the fuck like dog movie you've seen, yeah. it's it's the same thing. They probably have like a random actor like voice like like doing it's the Kevin voice Costner. Over. Kevin Costner. Also, oh, Kevin Costner is just voicing over the dog, and like the dog is just like staring out the window. He's basically just doing Shadow. It's like <laughs> if Sh- it's like if Shadow from Horm- Homeward Bound had like a spinoff with without Chance or Sassy, and it's like. But I miss Chance and Sassy. You know, that's probably the movie why so many of our generation love, like, pit bulls and bull terriers and all that. And, of course, Chance is adorable, and pit bulls and bull terriers are adorable, yeah. too. They look like land seals. It's, it's, it's precious. So. No, I thought pit, uh, no, I thought Chance was a golden retriever. No, Chance was the goober one. Shadow was the golden Sh- retriever. Yeah, yeah Shadow. Shadow was the uh, golden retriever. Yeah, yeah, one of the like, potentially most traumatic endings that you could have ended up with, and they're yeah. fucking cowards because Shadow doesn't come back in the original novel. So, uh, cowards, they're yeah, cowards. We still got Old Yeller. 
Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm surprised they haven't tried to make like a series of that one. Again, just uh, just again. do it like it, it's, it's just like those properties are so old. It's Here's like, how I would pitch it: It's like, okay, guys, it's a dog's purpose meets Big Little Lies, and then of course <laughs> I would just be told, "Get the fuck out!" And it's like, fine, I'll take it to fucking Amazon. <laughs> Pieces of shit. Anywho, so moving yeah. on for that, I'm just gonna throw out eight and a half. Um, Eight and a half million, yeah. twenty-five million total, something minute like that. So, yeah. moving on, uh, we got. Uh, let's talk about Dora and the Lost City of Gold. It's a it's like Dora is the wild card because, again, you're talking about a property where they radically changed it, where they pretty much based it off that uh, that that. Uh, College, uh, what is it? College, uh, well, because my college humor's uh, sk- I mean, uh, parody trailer. Well, because our boy Michael Bay is producing it with his platinum dooms, you know, so he, I, he, he has his fingers, um, all on this property and everything. I don't think, he, I, like, I don't think Michael Bay, like, I think just Michael Bay is just like, um, just like, like, say, like, whatever. well, they kept him away from it because if he was the one that was doing it, uh, they probably would have cast it like a 2020 role, one year old, but still would have made her 16. <laughs> yeah. And probably would have had like really uncomfortably like sexualized cinematography of the main character. And, you know, so clearly he had nothing to do <laughs> with Dora. He, he's just a producer for it. Mm-hmm. We're not having that conversation. Please. I mean, like he's kind of like. I mean, like, he's probably just basically hands off kind of with the uh, the remakes that he produced, <laughs> like the uh, what what you call it, the uh, oh, the Chainsaw, oh, the Chainsaw Massacre and the in uh, the uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Well, yeah, but then he tried to really have his hands on like Ninja Turtles, and that's the the particular thing with the Ninja Turtles remake is that. The big thing with Dora is that it is a Nickelodeon Pictures co-production. Yeah. Yeah, it was the same situation with the Ninja Turtle films that he did, is that it was technically more of a Nickelodeon project than it was like a Platinum Dunes project. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the the vibe, what's funny is that like, even though both of the main animal characters do have voices, like, mm-hmm. what the fuck are their names again? It's Boots. You got Boots and Swipe. Uh, Swiper. Swiper. Okay, Swiper is voiced by Benicio del Toro. Yeah, and, and Boots is voiced by uh, Danny, Danny, Danny Trejo. So none of the spots have actually like shown what they sound like yet. I think they're saving it. I think they're saving it for the movie because like, for like just just to get like just to get the like the shock uh, shock humor out of the audience. Well, maybe because like maybe they're trying to do like a whole joke where it's like, "Oh, it's a live action adaptation." Wink wink nudge nudge, but like the animals still talk. And that seems to be what they're trying to go for where it's like all the adventures that Dora did still technically happened. So, it's not really a live action adaptation as much as it is a live action sequel. And the weird thing, a weird see, thing about that is that see, it, Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon has done these like live action sequels, but they were direct to like DVD or direct to network. Like they made a fairy, uh, fairy odd parents live fairy action sequel. They made but, but the a, fairy odd parents. Like again, like a lot of these like movies, uh, like Nickelodeon movies, it's just. Just like you know, for the tele, just TV movies for the net. They made a Legends of the Secret Temple live action one too, that, but that was only on network. So they're confident enough in this one to have just 
straight up released it. That's that's because like that's because like millennials like will watch any fucking thing ironically, and I think that's what they're capitalizing on. It's like it's a property. It's a property where everyone is familiar with what the with the trap. It, I mean, like what the uh, you know what Dora is and what she does in the, in the shows. But they like put her in the most ridiculous. Like they make you know put her in the most ridiculous well, movie. Seems, well, this seems self aware, but not in a way that seems appealing to me. Where they're kind of just like, oh, isn't that stupid? Stares at the audience for five minutes, and it's like. Fuck off with that. It's like, I, I'd almost appreciate it if he just tried to make it like a straight up episode and everybody is just utterly terrified by it. Like, I, I'd almost that instead of just being like, oh, that's weird, Dora. I don't know why you act like that. You're a weird kid. Stares at audience trying to like wait for them to get the joke. And it's like, fuck that type of fucking humor, man. Again, sometimes like some people like love that humor. So from where I'm fucking going, I don't Like, again, yeah, it's like, I mean, like you wouldn't see so many movies and shows like keep perpetually using those types of jokes. Oh, I, I bet they'll make a joke where it's like, wow, you seemed a lot fun. Wow, you seemed a lot more entertaining when you were just a kid. Stares at audience, just fucking. No, I think they, they no, like, kind of made that the hint in, uh, when she meets up with Diego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Diego. So my, you have grown. What numbers you got? Uh, I'm thinking <laughs> I'm thinking like it's one of those I think and I think because uh, like and I think because like if he's just like, a Latina actress and has like a decent cast I'm thinking that it may cross the 20, 20 no more than 25 mil I'm, I'm pegging about 25 you know the numbers that I'm thinking for it I think it's <laughs> Because, like, it's coming out the same weekend that, like, the Percy Jackson movies came out with. And, like, the recent Percy Jackson was able to open at around 20-something mil. And it was still able to get, like, the kids before they went to school crowd. Mm -hmm. So it was still able to make, like, 80 or something million. So I'm I'm pegging that. I'm saying 25 mil opening, probably 80 mil. But again, don't don't underestimate the power of of your Latino audience because there's not that many. Dora is still on. um, Little kids still watch Dora the Explorer. Like it's not a case where it's like you know trying to like revive like it'd be like if they tried to revive like a Gullah Gullah Island movie. It's like a Gullah Gullah Island movie would bomb because they don't do Gullah Gullah Island. But Dora is still there. I know. Well, yeah, Dora is still there, but but it's just again, it's just one of those movies where where they just they just saw the like live action trailer. It's like okay, this is funny. Let's make a movie out of that. I mean, freaking. Uh, that's. Uh, I mean, that, that, I mean, that's the only reason why we're talking about this movie is is that college humor trailer was so well produced. Yeah, yeah. So who knows? It might completely yeah. shock all of us and make like. 120 something <laughs> something crazy can you imagine if it makes as much money as like Detective Pikachu that'd be hilarious it is it would be hilarious but again like again August doesn't like there's not that many competition it's like unless unless you want to take a kiss to see Angry Bird 2 yeah. 
It's like Playmobil is not going to take take uh, like take away the family audience. Well, we'll we'll, we'll get into that one. Yeah. But okay, so moving on, we got the kitchen. Uh, starring Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish, Elizabeth Moss. It's a, um, you know, period action mob thriller where, you know, there are a bunch of wives that are able to do their own kind of, like, criminal operation to be able to, like, save their families and sustain themselves. Wait, it's actually... You've seen the trailer for Kitchen, right? I have, no, I haven't seen the oh, trailer. Oh, just period. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the official synopsis, the wives of New York gangsters in Hell's Kitchen in the 1970s continue to operate their husband's rackets after they're locked up in prison. Now, the interesting thing, The Kitchen is actually based on a graphic novel. Okay. Uh, so it's actually like a novel um, adaptation. So it's yeah. so similar to Want. I think the, the, I think most likely they gave it the Wanted treatment where it's only in the name, uh, like either the name and like the location. And then because you cast these three comedian <laughs> actresses in it, I, like, I, I would say it's it's a little different circumstances from Wanted. I would say I'm trying to remember one where it's like technically it's a comic book adaptation. Um, I mean, there's, there's like there's there's like a handful of movies. Wanted like, Wanted is different because Mark Millar had his hands in that. You know, where like even though they made the changes with it, uh, Mark Millar, the writer for that, and of mm, course uh, Kickass I mean, and all those, yeah. he had a more direct involvement. This one is just they yeah, they saw uh, the story. They thought. Well, I mean, the Tommy Blom was based on on the graphic novel, and they made changes. Right, right, right. But it, it, that's what I mean. It's like. Um, Something like that. So yeah, what, you, what's interesting, this is actually the directorial debut of um, Andrea Borloff. Um, Andrea Borloff, you may know as the writer for World Trade Center. She was the writer for Straight Outta Compton. Um, she also wrote Bloodfather Sleepless, and she's actually writing and directing this one. So hmm. um, an interesting case is this is actually a mobster movie, not only featuring women, um, but it's also directed by a woman, which is actually like a really rare occasion for these kind of like yeah. 1970s mobster gangster movies. So it'll be yeah, it'll be interesting. But again, I don't know. I haven't seen the trailer, so I don't know what the tone they're going for. It, it, is it, it seems. Like, it seems. Is more, it like are they trying to be like are they trying to like be like serious? It's or more like, like American. Comedy? It's more like American. Oh, it's not a comedy at all. No, okay. it's more like American oh, wow. gangster kind of style, where it's like it's a oh, legit wow. like. These three wives, where it's like we're gonna maintain this operation, we're gonna okay. like you know go, we're gonna go toe to toe with these other rival gangs in you know nineteen seventies New York City, you know. Man, that's interesting because yeah. uh, because again, you still like like yeah, you still doing the Hell's Kitchen, yeah, you still got the five families still operating because uh, around that time, I think it was the Colombo, the head of the Colombo family was murdered. Well, uh, uh, let's just well the aesthetic, like, the aesthetic of the nineteen seventies yeah. lends itself well to this kind of story, to yeah. a gangster movie, to a mob movie. But in this yeah. case, it's the wives generating their own kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. So um, okay, so I mean, the reason why it's called the Kitchen Wretch is because it's in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, they're in they're in the thick of it, you know. So um, now the 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 only issue that I see is that. Um, I'm, I'm sure Warner Brothers' new line, technically, new okay. line cinema's behind it. I'm sure they're confident in it. It's just that for this kind of one, the one that I'm thinking that is probably going to hurt it a little bit is that we did just have a fucking movie with a kind of similar premise with Widows. And Widows opened to about 
12 million, finished out with 42 million, except that one had really great reviews. It had Steve McQueen behind it. It had an incredible prestige, but it was still like Steve McQueen's like studio movie. And uh, did you see Widows? Yeah, I did see Widows. I really, really enjoyed Widows. Like the whole thing that the whole thing that I enjoyed about Widows is like, oh, when you actually get like a qualified filmmaker, like an actual like director mm. to do one of these like you know bank heist um, criminal kind of thrillers, it ends up just completely elevating the material to yeah. another level. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Andrea's a, a competent enough person behind it. I mean, like her accolades seem to like back up the fact where she's yeah. familiar with it, you know. So she she's leaning to it. See, I think I, I'm thinking that's not the pro- a problem with it. I'm just wondering, wondering like you know, with the action again. It's like I don't know why would you put this movie in uh, in August unless it has like a ton of action or 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 because it's not even it's not even it's, it's not it's not even at the uh, like the month when you like release it for for the Academy Awards or for the award or for any time. I think of it's just trying accolades. to be it's trying to be counter programming where it's trying to be like hey. You know, there are just some women that you just want to see women be badasses yeah. in a gangster movie in a genre where usually like it's playing with the trope where it's like usually the wife is always just like stuck at home. Yeah. So seeing a film where it's like them actually like taking the reins and everything, it's just that with something like Widows, Widows had all those things going for it, yeah. but still ultimately finished out with only like a OK kind of disappointing box office gross. And with something like this, mm. with as many other films as it's having to compete with, I think it's probably going to finish out with the same type of opening, but probably not the best way. So I got it at yeah. $11 million opening, finishing out with about $34, $35 million. So little legs, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, Again, uh, I wasn't familiar with the movie, so like again, I didn't. Like I didn't look up the like it's like some of these movies uh, like when we were check, doing all this like mm-hmm. some of these movies just snuck up on me or or like they finally released it and again with this one I haven't seen the trailer for this and I and like even when you mention the premise it's like this is an interesting you know it's an interesting like it's an interesting premise but it's like it's like why would you why would you put on the same weekend as Dora this and, seems and, like but, a, this but, seems like the kind of movie that you would release in October. Yeah. Or something. I think if he released it in October, it, it would fit very nicely. However, Warner Brothers already scheduled Joker for October. And the whole thing is Joker is like Joker is deliberately a, the, inspired by like 1970s Martin Scorsese. Films. Yeah. Like, well, uh, like, like, I think Martin Scorsese is literally the fucking co-producer of yeah. Joker. It's like, in fact, uh, apparently and just quick factoid, <laughs> then we'll move on to the next movie. Yeah. Um, apparently, Martin Scorsese and Todd Phillips, the director for um, Joker, did talk with Robert De Niro about his character mm. potentially being the same character from The King of Comedy. Mm. You know, because like everybody kind of had like a fan theory where it's like, wait, are they actually the two same characters? And they've been coy about, like, they did actually think about it, but mm. it is kind of like a wink-wink, nudge-nudge mm-hmm. to, like, people that, you know, are fans of the King yeah. of Comedy and just seeing, like, the obvious parallels between that movie and yeah. what they seem to be doing with this one. So, um, yeah. 
So so you couldn't so Warner Brothers couldn't put a movie like The Kitchen next and, to Joker because it would just seem like they're releasing it, like it, well, it would, and then and then he also has September with uh, it and it's like they're not gonna put it you're not gonna put it in front of it and they're not gonna put it behind it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we'll see we'll see. Well, I mean, it, no, it opens up like the weekend. I mean. That then uh, beginning, beginning of September, yeah, and so. we'll, we'll get to that with that yeah. review. So, all right, so uh, we got two other films for the fucking five of these ones, man. All right, so we yeah. got Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, the adaptation of, of course, the books that had some of the most terrifying illustrations that was ever allowed in the possession of kids. Um, yeah. It's produced by Guillermo del Toro. It seems like the premise of it is a bunch of kids end up like opening up a book all these stories mm-hmm. end up coming true every single creepy possible so, thing so now here's like the, the fun thing version of goosebumps here's the here's <laughs> the fun thing it is pg-13 wait a minute i thought it was an art like which you know what i, I actually could, it, i, I could have sworn that the movie no, got no, no, an no, no, r no. rating that wouldn't make any sense though and this is my this is my argument for that it wouldn't make any sense because if we had to discover it when we were, like, in kindergarten, if we had to discover the stuff when we were in, like, the second, third grade, right? Somehow they just allowed these, like, macabre, disgusting, black and white illustrations in our hands when we were kids. It wouldn't make any sense for it to be uh-huh. R-rated because you would want actual kids to be able to see this one and be traumatized with the rest of us. Like, I actually agree with Make It a PG-13 because it's like scary stories to tell in the dark weren't gory. Like, they weren't gory. You know? Like, they looked messed up but it was still, like, the implication of it. It still would use, like, shadows. It was still, like, the idea mm-hmm. of how creepy it was. And it's like, yeah, there's there's not, the, and of course there's not gonna be, like, blood and guts and intestines and everything. Like, that's why the illustrations always stood out more than just seeing, like, a gross blob kind of shit because it was just something that was utterly macabre and deranged and stretched out which is so much more scarier than just like blood and guts to me I mean like even then it's like even then like the I mean like I have seen movies where where they go with the macabre like horror look and it's still like got an R rating because well you know what with this I mean as I said these, these are based on books that were somehow released onto children, right? So yeah. it's only appropriate that children are more able to see this <laughs> film in the first place. Again, it's it's aiming towards the children that read the books. Yeah. Like, um, if I had kids, I'd bring them. I'd be like, if I'm going to be traumatized seeing some of these creatures again, you're coming with me. You're coming with me. So... <laughs> like th- th- that's an underrated element about the box office it can make is like how many people are going to bring their kids to this out of spite or, like or just as a, or just as a lesson of terror see it makes it makes me wonder because crawl because again crawl was selling itself as you know like as a creature horror film and then do and didn't do well and now you're talking about this, this uh, crowded weekend with Dora the Explorer. Well, uh, scary stories to tell. Uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. It's, like, it's only adults. The, like only like, like it's only going to be us that's going to be watching it. 
You don't think people like us that would choose that over Dora the Explorer? I shit you not. Like, people will choose Dora over scary stories. <sighs> of course they would, because we're, we're, we're cowards. We're cowards. We need to... Although they see enough messed up things on the internet, so maybe they wouldn't even be that faced by it, you know? Um, anywho, numbers. What you got? I would say it'll perform similar to Crawl, so... If it's like if it's even lucky, like lucky to beat out like it's other competitors, like fifteen mil. But like a lot of these movies, they're either like looking. I'm looking at them as either ten to fifteen, if if not lower than that. Yeah, I'm gonna go a little higher. I'm gonna go 17, 17 18 million, mm-hmm. and finishing out with about forty million. I'd say, I'd say there's enough of like. What What's interesting is that they. I appreciate that they've kind of, like, hidden the creatures to just, like, have, like, the actual, like, impact. Because you wouldn't want to be... I mean, obviously, they've shown the, you know, Scarecrow dude. They showed the Scarecrow. They did show the, uh, the uh, like, the woman. But they've kept it very subtle. They've mm-hmm. kept it very low-key where, like, we, we haven't seen too much of them. Mm-hmm. Which works, I think. Yeah. Which means when you actually see... We don't know all the ones that are actually in it, so we might actually see like some of the really fucked up ones, like um, uh, what's her face, the one that has like the missing eyes and everything. Where it's like if we, it's like if we see her ass in it, I'm just like, nope, done, fucking, I'm out, I'm done, out. Again, even then, like the like the idea of the missing eyes, it's like how the fuck do you get get away with it with a PG thirteen shadows. Shadows. That's how you get away with it. Bam. All right. So moving on. See. Moving on. We got the Brian Banks drama from Bleecker Street uh, Mm -hmm. starring Greg Kinnear and um, Aldous Hodge. And it's based on the actually really shitty true story of Brian Banks. Yeah. Uh, Brian Banks was a really um, highly rated football recruit back in the early 2000s. In fact, he was... Um, part of the signing class in 2002 for USC, but what would happen is that he was falsely accused of a, of a sexual assault crime. Uh, he was faced with a 40 to 40 years to a lifetime Life. sentence, yeah. so he took a plea deal uh, for five years. However, he coordinated with this lawyer, played by Greg Kinnear in this one, um, where he collaborated with the California Innocence Project. And um, initially they had a confession tape from the girl saying mm. that she just made the whole thing up, but because it was inadmissible evidence, uh, they couldn't actually use it in the court of law. But because he collaborated with the California Innocence Project, um, he was able to actually overturn the sentence, was not able to, uh, was even, he didn't have to register as a sex offender and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. He, he was able to actually play for the United Football League, the defunct league, and he did actually have, he finally was able to get his opportunity to try out for the NFL. It didn't work out, but he was still recruited by the NFL to kind of speak out about, like, you know, how to be careful and all this kind of stuff. So yeah. it's it's a really tragic, shitty story um, where, you know, what was, to, what was done to him was just a, you know, utter injustice. And the juxtaposition of the story, of course, had to do with the fact that when he was able to overturn the sentence was right around the time when the Brock Turner thing came up, where it's like you're talking about a circumstance where, you know, Brock Turner, the Stanford 
shithead and everything where it's mm-hmm. like he was charged with you know rape and sexual assault but was only sentenced to six months and then lo and behold here's this you know african-american athlete falsely accused forced into a position to take a plea deal instead of being able to fight for his innocence yeah you know so the juxtaposition of race the juxtaposition of like of false accusations of sexual assault of the bigger case it, this is really complicated material and you know who's directing it reg nah tom sayak the guy behind ace ventura pet detective the nutty professor liar liar patch adams bruce <laughs> almighty and evan almighty you know where he's been since evan almighty where making this fucking movie <laughs> So, Are you fucking kidding me? So, so the guy, wow, the guy that directed some of the most so, the directed guy, by Patch Adams, Patch Adams director, the the guy who directed Liar Liar. He also did Liar Liar. That's but, the I mean, thing. Like, the, guy, the guy who directed, but again, I'm fine with Liar Liar and all those movies. But it's like people like again, like people should remember that Patch Adams had problems. But it still made fucking 135. What What even, like, like this guy, Tom, mm-hmm. this guy made some of the most successful uh, comedies yeah. of the 1990s. And in the 2000s, mm-hmm. he was still able to do extremely well. Like, Bruce Almighty was yeah. a gigantic hit. And then Evan Almighty happened, where he just allowed the power to completely get to his head. Uh, the budget absolutely ballooned to it, yeah. where it was like a hundred million, a hundred and eighty million, hundred ninety million dollar budget, and this was back a decade ago. So yeah. inflation wise, you're talking about if they spent the same amount of money that they did on like uh, freaking. Oh, I'm trying to remember recent two hundred and fifty something or another. Um, I mean, like it, 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 like, it, like it's Star it's Wars, spent, like spending on Star Wars or the Avengers yeah, yeah. Movies. Imagine if you had the budget equivalent of what they spent on like the Last Jedi for fucking Evan Almighty, right? Because mm-hmm. Tom insisted, you know, on live on live animals. Like he did insist on live animals, and this was before you could just CGI up uh, like you could for fucking Lion King, right? And um, yeah, and it was also supposed to be the first big hit for Steve Carell. Mm. It was his first big giant budget lead, uh, all that stuff. And yeah, the movie ended up losing so much money for Universal. What's funny is that it still made a hundred million domestically, mm-hmm. but when its budget is like 170, 180 yeah. at the time, it lost so much money for Universal. So. Thomas just kind of stayed out of it. He made this small film called I Am back in uh, 2011. Okay. But this is literally his like first film that he's done since then. So, so, this, is, so this is essentially his passion project. Passion project are probably just like the man needs to do his rent or the mortgage the mortgage is coming I, up rich i don't i don't think that i mean i don't think doing a movie about uh about a black you know a, a, a very, black athlete a black athlete falsely accused of rape it's it's <laughs> you're to talking, pay the bills you're talking about material that can be you know that that's a really tragic story yeah. but it can be taken the worst way by a lot of shitheads where it's yeah. like it's a lot of people where it's like 
they're, they're gonna take the worst thing out of this movie where it's like, oh, see? False accusations. Look what it's able to do. All these women with Me Too it's, and all this kind of crap. Like, it, it's gonna... If you're not careful with the material, then you're just gonna enable like the 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 real shitheads out there and uh, i think the i mean they, they're still they're still gonna take whatever they can get i like, I, it, like, I just don't think the dude behind the nutty professor and patch adams <laughs> and liar liar is it has the nuance to be able to do this kind of material with you know like the, the the grace they, 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 they awarded the fairly brothers with great fucking green book Oh, well, that's because they went with the most bibbity-boppity dude in existence to write... They found a dude that wrote a screenplay to just tell you how not totally racist his dad was. <laughs> and they were just like, you know what? This Italian bibbity-boppity dude seems like... seems really good. We should we should go with him. You know, and of course he was like... They, they had to change the dialogue because uh, he kept trying to put... Um, you know, hey, oh, you, hey, oh, hey, you, hey, hey, how about, hey, hey. They took, it was 20 pages worth of the script that they had to remove where it's like, you can't just have Viggo Mortensen just speaking in like Italian stereotypical grunts the entire movie. You have to have dialogue. So, so let me get this straight. <laughs> straight. This guy that wrote about his father did the most like stereotypical Italian? No, it's like what, what the fuck was on his Rich, mind? Rich, I'm being I'm being facetious. I just imagine that the the man that just won an Oscar is working on a movie called That's Amore. I told you about That's Amore, where he's working but, he's working on a romance about a girl that works in an Italian restaurant <sighs> called That's Amore. So. It's like, it's like, I, I, I have my to, big fat green bread is for pussies. Here's that's a more. That's a more. <laughs> that's a more. Hey, hey, pizza pie. Oh, hey, hey, it's hey. like, fuck them Greeks. And it's like, hey, you look at this. <laughs> hey, hey, she. Wait, wasn't my big fat Greek wedding? Its screenplay was nom- nominated for its screenplay. I think right? so. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, like, God, it, it made a fuck these- ton of money. Oh no! It, it, it I it's think like it, the, it's still like it's still like the highest uh, popular techni- movie. I think it's still technically, it, it did have the record for a long time about the highest grossing movie that never got to number one. For the longest time, it did. Yeah, I, I think I think Inside Out technically, no, no, no. Um, World War Z? No, it, I think some Pixar film. I think it's Inside Out is the one. That didn't open to number one when it came. Is it the Inside Out did open to number one? I gotta look it up. It's whatever film opened up with Inside Out that still made a ton of money. I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. caught up on that. So anyway, um, so yeah, what do you have for Brian Banks? Anything? Um, like I'm looking at like eight. Like it's probably gonna perform. Like it's gonna be one of the biggest losers of that weekend. Like. Yeah, it, well, put it this way. If there's five wide releases, somebody has to pay the price. Yeah, so, like, Brian's Banks, like, again, like, again, you're going to get, like, a strong showing. Like, I know, like, I know, like, there's going to be, like, certain communities where it's going to perform really well. But, but, um, yeah, like, as far as, like, worldwide, I mean, like, domestically, domestically, it's not going to hit those numbers. Yeah. But, um, I mean, the only way... Like the only way this movie, uh, this movie can either have legs or, or like you know, 
like or like be able to beat like beat like the box office numbers is if mm-hmm. if if they got a highly positive good reviews. I mean like like on the level of like Green Book and then and also and also it's like this movie should be nominated for best picture. And you expect that out of the guy who directed Dude, who who, like, who whose film debut? And I'm not used to this judge because I actually consider Ace Ventura a pet. Uh, wait, did he do the first one or the second one? Hold on, ah crap! Because I was gonna make a point. Oh, he did the first. Oh, he did the first one. I'm actually the devil's advocate. I think when nature calls is a vastly better comedy. Like Pet Detective is still fun. I just clearly Ace Ventura Pet Detective is still trying to be like more of a parody of mm. Beverly Hills Cop and those kind of like 80s cop detective movies while when nature calls I feel like it's just its own weird dumb comedy and yeah. it, I feel like it's more endearing and oddball where it's like sure Ace Ventura Pet Detective has its funny moments does it have a new Jim Carrey coming out of an animatronic rhino no does it have a parody of cliffhanger <laughs> In the beginning with an overdramatic yeah. scene with the <laughs> raccoon? No, it does not. Does it have Ace Ventura doing a slinky down <laughs> 10 miles of stairs? No, no. It still has funny beats, yeah. you know, but clearly when nature calls, it's the vastly superior sequel. The funny thing is, like I like I remember more scenes for, I like, remember watching when nature calls more than the original movie. Yeah. But he did do nothing, and nothing. Man, like Sadiq was like Sadiq was like going on that trajectory, man. And then I mean, like, he had all these like he made all these hit comedies. And then he had his uh, oh, what was the one that Reds was it like the notorious one with Warren Betty? Uh, that was like a huge the the one that almost bankrupted uh, MGM. No, no, that's Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. There we go. Yeah, because Reds, like no, Reds was like like what's a Academy Award nominee. Like, uh, like I think that's what I think Heaven's Heaven's Gate though. Reds, I think was still nominated. It was just still a prolific. No, 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 I have a better one. No, no, Heaven's Heaven's Gate did lost a lot of money. I have a better comparison because because like because Carmichael like spent so much money trying to like be authentic and so much and there was so much and there was like so much like shit that happened. Even the horses died. That's that's why you got the. Uh, comparison got I would the, say uh, is Ishtar. I don't know what you mean. This was Tom's Ishtar. I think that's the better. Comparison. But see, like, Ishtar but yeah. lost a fuck ton of money. They gave him a. Uh, it was given a big budget. They thought, oh, it's Dustin Hoffman and like a Bob Hope and Dean Martin yeah. kind of comedy, and of course, <laughs> completely busted. So uh, again, you cannot find a copy of Ishtar. Uh, and I guess you can of Evan Almighty. So. Yeah. So, so is that is that Ishtar? Take that Ishtar. Take that Dustin Hoffman. And it's like, but again, it's like we haven't seen the movie. How bad is it? I mean, like again, it's like it's, it's in the long way of movies that you would never see. Like yeah. same thing with the, the Jerry Lewis Holocaust movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Anywho, so um, actually, you know what? Uh, Just because, like, we still have a ton of ones to go through, because I don't understand this month of August, so... No, uh, we can still keep going, dude. I mean, like... I mean, like, like the next weekend is just, like, it's just only Angry Birds. 
Well, and no, the- Reg. Angry Birds comes out that Wednesday, but then we got four movies that come out August 16th, which is when I get married, which is going to be a glorious day. Wait, what? Uh, yeah, Reg. The, the, the amount of films that come out the following weekend. Okay, so but- August 14th, we got Angry Birds movie two. Yeah. Um, and then Friday, August 16th, we, get, we have 47 meters down uncaged. And blinded by the light, and good boys, and where do you go, Bernadette? Dude, I think okay, I, I okay, think we'll so, take the so, breather. I think we'll take the breather. Okay, okay, I can so, I can tell you now, like good boys is going to kill that weekend. Well, well, we'll see. You, you you've seen that. Uh, you've seen I've, that I've one. Seen so I want to give you space I've, to I've, tell I've, us a little bit more. I've about seen that the, one. I've seen the movie. So. Uh, yeah, I've seen the movie. It's just that it's like who wants to see another fucking shark movie when like people didn't go out to see Crawl? You know, uh, I mean, but, uh, but people but then, said but that then people said that about. Down, but then again, Forty Seven Years Down did make money. It's surprising money, even though it's made by a studio literally called Entertainment Studios. And for the longest time, if you told me that was like a front for like money laundering. That's like the name of a studio you would be like, where it would be like, yes, we, we are legit movie production. We are, we are I mean, entertainment studios. We make entertainment. We make movies. It doesn't, it doesn't put it past by we, them. I we, mean, we, we, made, we made shark that's, movie. That's, with what, a, that's what canon films, like, that's what pretty much did canon films. Well, except those guys weren't money laundering. They were just too adorable uh, foreign rich dudes that were like the epitome of 80s excess they were just like you know what the kids like you know what the kids like they like dancing let's make a, the, 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 a what you call it the, oh shit you mean staying alive? No, no. Oh, yeah, they did uh, produce that one. No, they were no, like no, it was breaking. No. Like, it's yeah, like breaking, they, breaking they, to electric boom. boom. It, well, I mean, they did all. I no, mean, it's embarrassing, Reg. I'm more familiar with the subtitle than what it's actually. Doing, I mean, which, it, I mean, it's like again, it, it's 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 it follows that same premise where it's like we have to save the rec center. So every movie, like every every hip hop movie, has that plot where it's like we have to save the rec center, but we're going to save it with dancing. I mean, so, like Crush Groove was kind of you know well, what? Crush well, to- no, no, Crush Groove was. Was was like a pseudo, auto, I mean, pseudo autobiography of how Def Jam was founded. Uh, yeah, yeah, but but again, yeah, you got it's like so. You know, so you know, a good way to just uh, wrap this episode yeah. up. Um, what would you say? This is a hard one. What would you say is the better sequel title? Too fast, too furious, or breaking to a electric boogaloo. What would you say is the better sequel? Electric Boogaloo, dude. But Too Fast, Too Furious <laughs> is like it's. You a, can a, say a, it in the movie. Like to me, it's a little bit better because of that. Where it's like you can literally have like Tyrese or somebody say in the movie where it's like, Nah, man, that was too fast, too furious. Like, I don't know. No, no, like, no, nah, 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 nah. I always because I, because, I always because, give, because I because again. Every every unnecessary sequel that you have, you can always throw an electric boogaloo and you get a fucking laugh. It's like you can't do much with Too Fast, Too Furious. But I am always going to give a little bit more to a movie title that you can say in the movie. 
Again, I, I am I mean, always I mean, going to do that. I mean, unless you can listen to that ludicrous song, Drive Too Fast, Drive Too Fast. Oh, you too fast for y'all, mate. Well, I guess you can. You don't remember that? that yeah, of course. That, that, was like, that was like the biggest song of the summer. They, they, well, it's like they, that soundtrack. Well, they, it's like, well, well, they don't recommend the goddamn soundtrack. Well, they tried to make it like the song, but. No, it, it, like, again, it was like ludicrous. And then um, and then to start that movie off, it played David Banner's Like a Pimp. It's like two. But, so, all right. Now, but thing is, Electric Boogaloo, you can also make, like, a song off of, where it's like, Electric Boogaloo, do, do. They, they fucked up. They forgot to include the title song. So, all right. I think, That's because you haven't seen the movie. I think I work out with my argument because Electric Boogaloo did not include a song called Electric Boogaloo. That's because you haven't seen the Electric Boogaloo. You know, the only way that I'm going to give, like, to tie it up with Too Fast, Too Furious is if they actually do say Electric Boogaloo in Break Into Electric Boogaloo. Because that, that, that's the only way that yeah. they could be able to get to Too Fast, Too Furious because as you just told me, Ludacris, or I forgot, Ludacris had the Too Fast, Too Furious song. Yeah, and it's, it's like, Act Fool. And it's like Act of Fool. It's like it's right there, Rich. Doesn't that... Get- Again, like nobody, like again, nobody like sits up here and like talk about like too fast, too furious. You know what? But again, that movie, like Electric Boogaloo, is like thirty goddamn years old, and people still talking about the Electric Boogaloo. Well, it's always a joke one, but I would say Too Fast, Too Furious is the same one. I love the joke one, man. Where it's like it'll be something ridiculous, like too Harry, too Potter, or something like that. Like just with any type of like ridiculous sequence, like what are they gonna call it? You know, just yeah. I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll leave that to the audience. How about that? So to to people that listen to us, uh, drop us a line, drop us a comment. You know, wh- when you follow us, if you want to smash leave a, that like button, if, if you want to leave a comment on SoundCloud to just tell us what do you think is the more infamous sequel title. Do you think it's Breaking to Electric Boogaloo or do you think it's Too Fast, Too Furious? Leave your comment. Thank you so much for uh, following us. I'm going to try to launch a Facebook page super soon just to connect with you guys there. Uh, engage with us, all that fun stuff, memes, yep. whatever you feel like. Subscribe so, to our non-existent Patreon. We're, we'll, 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 <laughs> we're working up to it. How about that? So, anywho, guys. It's non-existent, though. Uh It'll, we'll get to that one. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. Stay hydrated with, I'm sure, the number of heat waves that are going to come through August. Mm-hmm. Go to the movies. They still they have great AC. Um, I'm excited to try out the Alamo Draft House, which finally opened up in L.A. And, uh, yeah, uh, keep it real. Thank you again for listening. This is Box Office Bootleg. I'm your co-host, Robert. Hey, I'm Nicole's Reggie. Good night, everyone. Good night. Keep it too fast, too furious is the better one. Just saying. Boogaloo. D- too fast, too furious. The electric boogaloo. Too fast, too furious. The electric boogaloo, son. Too fast, too furious. <laughs> <laughs>